0: Thanks for tuning in to Freelancer Therapy. My name is Amber Rhodes. I've been a freelancer myself, and on every episode of Freelancer Therapy, I will be talking to a freelancer, a solopreneur, part-time, full-time, anytime, and asking them about their mental health and wellness. Enjoy the show. Thanks for joining Freelancer Therapy. Today, I am joined by the radically relatable, Kristen White. In full disclosure, I'm super excited about this interview because we met before. (laughs) The interview ended up in the ether. Somehow it was lost to the world. So maybe it was was a joint effort. Yes. So how are you today, Kristen?
1: (laughs) Great. I'm so glad we're redoing this.
0: (laughs) No, I I think we were brilliant a year ago. Honestly, I was thinking back to our last conversation and I remember you shared a lot about your storytelling. And then we also even touched on like, weight gain from medication. It was just like, really, it really helped me a lot for like a whole, like I was just letting out a lot of my emotions <laughs> that I had from like medication and the changes that go along with your body, which is really crazy. Oh, and God. people don't talk yeah. about it. So um, like, it it was a real wonderful conversation. I'm sorry, other people don't get to hear it. <laughs> But we
1: had a ball. It was great for both of us. Very <laughs> <Sorry>, other people.
0: <laughs> so, Kristen, you have been freelancing just kind of like forever. <laughs> so, even before school, yeah, before it was cool. Yeah. It was cool like in two thousand one, you were like, "This is this is the path forward for me." So, can you just tell everyone a little bit about what you do and then what I motivates sure you are. to do this?
1: I've been freelancing. Since before I knew it was called freelancing, uh, I went to college for radio television broadcasting. And most of those gigs, unless you ended up with a um, like an in-house TV production job, which at the time were already diminishing, you're going to be project by project basis, uh, which is, in a sense, freelancing. I didn't know the word yet at the time. So there I was getting random TV jobs and editing jobs and, and broke as a jokes because student debt, we won't even touch on that. Um, so I, I picked up some very early HTML web skills. Um, work, this is pre-WordPress. This is even pre-Dreamweaver. I was, had no interest in being a coder, but had to, had to earn some coins. So I figured that out, got an early edition of Photoshop One and uh, I'd been doing a bit of animation in school, so switching into graphic design was was a fairly seamless process. So next thing I know, I'm doing design and desktop publishing and um, some sort of basic websites. And that just never stopped for the next mm-hmm. 22 years of my life. Even if I had a full-time job, I always had side hustles. And there were, the last two years, I've been freelance full-time, and there were, before the 2008 crash so 06 to 08 I was freelance full-time as well um yeah but always a side hustle always in digital marketing of some sort
0: solution of your career is really interesting and I think like if you talk to a lot of marketers especially um it's something that you just stumble into yeah and like it sounds almost like you were just like I'm gonna go with the flow like this this is what's gonna have to happen especially digital marketers, the number of
1: us that are 20 years into our career, but never went, never took a university marketing program is astounding. And I'm not knocking university marketing programs. I mean, you gotta learn the foundations at some point, but mm-hmm. you can learn them on your own um, if you don't wanna go 80 grand into debt. Yeah. These are skills you can learn in smaller schools, smaller workshops on your own if, you've, if you're have if you self-guided. Um, yeah, most of us, especially if you work in social or, um, God, short form video, even any of that you you probably are self-taught. You probably figured it out trial and error. Yeah.
0: Um, how does mental health and wellness play into your freelance career? It plays
1: into my life 24 seven. So of course it would play into my career,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I laugh in the face of the phrase work-life balance as though somehow there's work and there's life and there the two shall meet. That is not life. That is
0: not how that goes. Sorry, um, I have to take a break because my cats are fighting.
1: <laughs> also life,
0: right? Yeah, that's life. Okay. So you I laugh- love that was
1: your one cat is named work, <laughs> the other one is named life, and they were fighting.
0: They were totally just going at it and they were like, this doesn't exist. Yeah. I recently heard the term work-life integration. Which that's I think better. makes a little bit more sense to me, especially as our lives. I mean, you're a freelancer, so you've probably gotten used to working from home for a majority of it, Yeah. but like for a lot of people, it's new and we're just having to learn how to fit our work and our lives around each other in a way that's sustainable.
1: I think what's been really great about the last couple of years and something that many of us that were side hustle freelancers, full-time freelancers, anyone that could work from home if you had that kind of position. We've learned that there is no sitting at one desk for eight hours and then getting up and move. That that is, it may work for some people. If it does, you do you, boo-boo. Absolutely lean in. I have about four different work centers that I will move around in my apartment. I don't have that big apartment. It's Toronto. It's not that big. (laughs) But I can't be in the same spot all day. I have different spots that, feel more comfortable for different tasks. If I'm doing a lot of nitpicky design, I do want to be at my desk because I want the monitor raised up. If I'm writing, I have a chair. I have a writing chair um, that's more like an easy chair that I like to, you know, kick back in with one leg hung over the side. <laughs> and then that's my writing position. Yeah. But uh, at least working from home, you have the flexibility to find those quirky systems that support what you need in any given moment it's neat you asked how does mental health play into freelancing what I'm loving about the conversations that the pandemic brought and it sounds so weird to say loving about the pandemic um, but there are silver linings for those of us that survived it in that it's bringing up these conversations that there's not one perfect way there's not one gold standard of productive professional behavior
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah there's get the work done how you get from a to b is different person to person and who really gives a shit as long as you get there whether you're wearing a suit and a tie whether you have tattoos whether you work laying on your back with your laptop on the ceiling i don't care
0: yeah i um i definitely work from bed quite a bit more often than i than i like to admit but yeah, I think I can remember specifically like being at my desk in an office, just knowing like this is not the most productive place for me because I would get all of my work done and then I would just have to sit there, like get get my time in, right? Yeah. And just read Buzzfeed and pretend because I I had to physically be there, but I was mentally somewhere else. And being able to work from home has been a total game changer just for my productivity and then my mental health too. Because like you said, setting up like having those little systems for yep. the different things that affect like sometimes I'll just get a huge case of the bummers in the middle of the day, which for me right? is depression. It's just, it just depression. Oh yeah. And then I'll the go bummers. lay down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Love just go it. lay down and feel better. And like because or I'll go pet my dog and because I'm able to like work these into my workday and just feel like a whole person way different from before.
1: I think it's more respectful to us as adults too, rather than being told you have to sit in this spot like like kindergarten, you have to be on this carpet
0: mm-hmm.
1: for two hours because this is nap time. But I'm not tired. Tough shit. Sit on this carpet. If we if we are told as adults, okay, we need this project, whatever it is, done by Thursday at three. It's it's currently a week before, whatever. Okay, we can now, as adults, as independent people, structure our work style, our life, our schedule, however we need to, to meet that deadline. I know for me personally, I'm useless at 9 a.m. If you make me sit at, at a desk in your office at 9 a.m., I'll get there, but I'm stupid until at least 10, 30, 11. doesn't matter what time I went to bed. That is just, it's, I used to work nights a lot with an event center and a dance studio. So my productive time is like pretty much 11 a.m. till 8 p.m., like that's my window otherwise yeah i would just be sitting there yeah. I have this vague memory right now and i'm on Macs now but in offices used to be 100 pc back in the day right and there used to be this escape code you could just like hit i can't remember the details but it would bring up like a fake background to make it look like you were typing a word document i can't remember oh man this is just like a weird memory that just popped up this is going back like 10 15 years and it used to be so that if a, if you were reading both of you, you know, when you're, because you were done your work and you had just to still look busy because salaries worked like that.
0: Yeah. If,
1: a, if one of your bosses was walking behind you, could just like alt tab and it would bring up this fake report writing a report background. It was fabulous. But what a fucked up system that we needed that.
0: I know. It's like having a proctor at a test, like why... I just, you don't feel as trusted, I think, when someone just has to check up on you or you feel like you're always having to look over your shoulder. It's kindergarten for adults. Why?
1: Yeah. If we don't meet the deadlines and we don't have an actionable reason, like maybe the deadline was unreasonable, et cetera. If we just don't meet it, well, that affects our future employment with whoever paid us for that deadline. We don't need to be
0: babysat the whole time.
1: Unless you like to be babysat. Again, you do you, boo. Whatever works for your environment.
0: That's the thing. I suppose some people do thrive in that environment. And what COVID has shown us, silver linings, silver linings. is that people, like, I think we all knew this intuitively, people work differently. But this just kind of, it shone a light on it because it had to happen. But like some people really do work better at home. Some people really do work better. So having that choice is like... An amazing opportunity. It's so
1: interesting that there's been, thank goodness, a bit of a turnaround in the education world, recognizing that different kids learn different. You know, dif- oh my gosh, could I have stumbled that sentence more? Kids learn differently. Yep. Some are visual learners. Some are oral learners. Some need hands-on. Some learn faster than others. But they'll all get there if they are able to learn in their own best way. And that's great. And we're starting to make those changes in education. Thank goodness. Um, Side note, please fund education better anyway. um, But then somehow we all leave school and we're expected to monogamize again. Mm -hmm. Like blend into the identical productive between nine and five with your non-existent lunch break. Yeah, the number of us that put in our eight hours and then get our work done after hours because it didn't the daily structure didn't work for us, but we still only got the one salary. Yeah,
0: that was that was life. Hence the freelancing. Yeah. I was gonna say, does freelancing kind of make you feel like you've taken control back?
1: Yes and no. This is where mental illness starts to really screw up your freelancing game, right? Mm-hmm. I could sit here and coach another freelancer how to structure their business, how to price their services so that they can have that work-life integration, um, how they can subcontract out tasks that can be subcontracted and be the project manager or the creative head themselves, or depending on your industry. I can I know all the fundamentals there. I can happily help someone else structure their business with that. Can I do it for myself? Hell no. I'm a hot mess. Yeah. I overpromise, underdeliver. Do I like that? No. Am I aiming to do that? No. But the brain gremlins hijack. Um I've tried hiring help in the last little while and that's not gone well. Not because I didn't hire good people. Everybody's good people. They all just have different work styles, but I didn't have enough spoons in my day to complete my work and motivate them. And so we ended up not making deadlines and then I'm apologizing to clients and I'm discounting services to make up for the delays. And Next thing I know, it's costing me more money to have employees than I'm making. Yeah. So I recognize Uh those as my own struggles. Hence back to being freelance so that I'm not affecting anyone else's income potential.
0: That's really real. Yeah, I think once you bring in like, how am I affecting other people as a boss? Like being someone's boss is way different from being your own boss. So then when you are asking yes. yourself to be your own boss and then to do the same like for someone else, that's a big ask. And I actually wanna to touch on it, cause you mentioned spoons and I know spoons. I know spoon theory. I love <laughs> spoon theory, yeah. <laughs> maybe we should, we should explain spoon theory to the people.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna put pressure on you to link to it down below um, or however this works. Uh, spoon theory, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name, oh no. I didn't invent it. You didn't invent it. It was a blog way back in like 2003, I think it came out initially. And it was initially around, I want to say lupus. I think so. Chronic pain. It was a chronic pain condition. Yeah. So the idea being that, and, and it, the blog was about a conversation she had with a girlfriend over a dinner somewhere. So that's where the spoons came in. she needed a, a physical manifestation of this idea. There were spoons on the table. The idea that every single person goes into the day with the same number of spoons. We have like a budget of, and spoons are sort of like energy, I guess, Mm. mental, physical ability to do things.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's just say we all start with 10 spoons. Everyone, you me, the guy next door. Getting out of bed, making breakfast, taking a shower, maybe that's two spoons. Going to, maybe your work day is six spoons. Leave mm-hmm. you a couple of spoons at the end of the day. You can make a healthy dinner, have some time, play time with your dog, take your kid to soccer, whatever your day is. Use you you budget out your spoons how you need to. We all just do this intrinsically every day. Yeah. Okay. Now let's layer on chronic pain or mental illness. Okay. Now instead of it being two spoons to get out of bed, make breakfast, have a shower. Now it's eight. You only have two left. Does it all go to work because you gotta eat? Probably. What suffers? Everything else. So it's not that, and this, this spoon theory I've seen even applied to equity, um, diversity, equity, inclusion models as well, that yes, we all have 10 spoons at the beginning of the day, but if you don't have these extra challenges, intersectionality, and yep. what takes you two spoons, takes other people five or six. Yes, you're all accomplishing the same thing at the end but you had less hurdles doesn't mean it's easier or that other people have a clear path we all take extra spoons for different tasks everybody whether you have illnesses or not but some conditions take more spoons than others with certain tasks and depression and anxiety is a real bitch because it's invisible it's one of the invisible disabilities so what could take you six spoons to write a report that should, should, I hate that term, only taken somebody to, gets you labeled as inefficient when really the task didn't meet your best moments of productivity. Round peg, square hole.
0: Yeah. Now, the first time I heard spoon theory, I was like, yes, finally, <laughs> like someone gets that. I think it was really, it's really hard to verbalize how, when you have mental illness, like for maybe some of the time I can, I have the right amount of spoons and I can use my spoons in the way that they should, <laughs> they should be used. Um, yeah. I don't like that word either, but like other times, the act of getting out of bed feels just like this colossal effort, incredibly hard, and it's almost unbelievable. Like when I when I look back at the times when I've been really depressed, I'm like, how are you so depressed? Like, that's ridiculous. Oh, because yeah, we I have feel... such
1: amnesia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because when I feel normal, normal, um, and like my medication is firing on all cylinders, you know, it's, I that's what I become normal to you right it's like amnesia about what depression actually feels like but then when I'm in the deep deep um I'm just I'm like wow this is amazing it sucks I how do you even prepare for it so I guess like that is one of the big questions if we're always dealing with ups and downs like even with med, I'm on medication I don't know if you are tons Even with highly medicated, up to the gills. So pickled. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm dealing with this, like, what are those strategies that you have in place to deal with, like, those ups and downs, knowing that your spoons aren't always going to be consistent?
1: I think the best thing you just said is knowing your spoons will not be consistent. Yeah. I spent probably 18 of those 20 years freelancing, berating myself. With the shoulds, Mm -hmm. you know, you should be able to do this. What's wrong with you? Why are you not meeting these deadlines? You should should be able. This person, stop shooting on yourself, my god. (laughs) Accept that it's going to happen, even with medication. Medication is wonderful for some of us. Not everybody. We're all very different, but we don't have a cure for this stuff yet. We don't even fully understand it. There was a meta analysis came out a week ago saying it's not a chemical imbalance just threw off everything we all thought we knew oh,
0: no. <laughs>
1: right so now it's like well then why uh, except that this is life
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it's not sustainable please talk to your doctor your medication may need tweaking you may need off that and on something different etc cetera, etc cetera. we're not doctors but if you're at the best balance that you've been you're still gonna have shit days And the best way that I've found, it may not be perfect, but the best way that I've found to deal with that is to tailor your service offerings as a freelancer to allow for those days. And for me, that made a tough decision in the last month, which was to stop working in social media. Because some industries are so deadline dependent If you don't react fast to, you can't even plan ahead for something. If your particular freelancing gig requires you to react within the second of things happening in the news and pop culture and whatever you're doing, and you have a bad day, you need one of two things. You either need trusted people that you can pass it off to. I am out for the day. Please take this and run with it. Yeah. Or a really understanding client. And we all burst out laughing. Yes, so it may mean structuring your particular job around that so that you can plan ahead. Yeah. I take social media as an example, whether you're a social manager, meaning you're in the accounts every day, responding to comments, scheduling posts, or you could be somewhere else in the content creation realm, somewhere in the post uh, analytics realm. You could be copywriting for social. You could be doing short form video editing. There there are lots of aspects you can work in an industry without being the front facing point person. And maybe those perimeter jobs are more you. Yeah. And that's not a failure. That's yeah. getting to know your own. People call it genius zone. I don't have a buzzword. It's just whatever your sweet spot is of still being productive and still earning a living. <laughs> without it slowly driving you into the ground. That was a long answer. Basically, it's, yeah, tailor your tailor your offerings so you can plan ahead. Expect that you're going to lose at least a day every week.
0: Yeah, but Maybe you don't.
1: Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a great week and you rock it and you do all kinds of things. But
0: yeah, I love
1: the idea of committing to like a daily thought leader post on LinkedIn.
0: Mm.
1: But I know I won't.
0: Yeah. Like there's, there's a big difference between having that idea and having that commitment and then like being actually being able to follow through, not just like, am I keeping, am I keeping myself to a (laughs) schedule? Like, you know, the brain, my brain maybe can't like come up with something inspirational that day or something that's like really meaningful.
1: Thank you for saying inspirational. My God. (laughs) So I, I, I've been doing some inspirational speaking in the last year which has Mm -hmm. been an adventure let me tell you an adventure yeah Um, but it's really illustrated to me the difference and I was buggering this up for many years but the difference between being inspirational and being aspirational
0: and I thought we had to be
1: aspirational I thought we had to if you were going to be in the public eye at all no matter what it is you do whether you're A thought leader on social media, whether you are an influencer, whether you speak to the media on the regular, whether you host a podcast or a radio show, I thought we had to be aspirational. The vision of perfection that people try to tweak their lives to become. Mm -hmm. That is some serious bullshit right there. No, I shouldn't say it like that. For me, in my opinion, that is some serious bullshit right there. Maybe it works for you. Maybe you like looking up to people that you see as better than you. But they're not better. They're different. And if you watch someone or listen to someone and they inspire you to tweak things in your life so that you are happier, more comfortable, have more spoons, spend more time with your family, whatever the thing is that you're missing, awesome. But looking at someone else shouldn't point out your flaws. That's a horrible way to get motivated. Yeah. It just feels gross very a lot of self-loathing talk and, and if you have depression or anxiety we're experts in the self-loathing talk like we got that down there should be like google certifications for self loathing because we would all have that expert level
0: it's just it's like did you ever watch lizzie mcguire of course uh, okay, women of a certain age yeah my cartoon lizzie is like just like a a little nightmare just telling me everything that's going wrong all the time um yeah and I think like I have this memory of so I grew up in the 90s and early 2000s yeah so like I just remember there being a lot of inspirational speakers I just have this like vague memory of there being like the Tony Robbins of the The world motivational speakers (sighs) motivational speakers and like a lot of it came from a a place of telling you what you're doing wrong (laughs) or like how you're thinking wrong. And like, that does not, that doesn't resonate with me. So I love that you come from like this totally different perspective. And that's why there's so many of us,
1: because it's, it's not going to be a one size fits all. It can't be. Yeah. We are different. We're all different. We're all freaking snowflakes or butterfly wings or whatever your analogy is. And uh yeah my whole thing is i'm happily ever average oh i love that thank you i just mentioned the domain hopefully i'll do something with it i don't know um i want to put that on a t-shirt because it's not that we're not trying to be our live our best life and be our best self and and all the the buzzwords that we're getting right now all over instagram but Mm -hmm. your best self doesn't have to hit arbitrary achievements you can be incredibly happy content satisfied and average where average is may be different for each of us but i've spent way too many years of my life needing everything to be flawless from the work i produced to my hair Mm -hmm. to my eyeliner And in freelancing, if I quote someone that it's going to take four hours to complete something, and I'm not happy with it after four hours, so I spend 23, but I only bill them for four, that's not sustainable. Now I'm broke. Now I'm resenting that client. It was not that client's fault. I told them it would take four hours. They paid me for four hours. But my brain gremlins told me it needed 23 to be acceptable instead of giving it to the client and getting their feedback and finding out if it needed any more tweaking. Yeah. So rather than shooting for absolute perfection that our brains don't recognize, yeah, find contentment in the mid-ground.
0: Yeah. I have to say, if you created this shirt, I would happily wear it. Like all the time That's it probably. would have to come in very
1: inclusive sizing because let's be honest.
0: Of course. You can't be
1: happily ever average in a one size fits all.
0: Oh yeah. One size fits all is a myth. Anyway. <laughs> one size That's fits actually, all provided you're
1: a size six, yes.
0: That will be another like we will have to have a second conversation all about <laughs> no I'm serious. All about like just medication. I just want to like get dirty with my oh, like, talk this. about how it changed like like my my body changed how like when I stopped taking it just I got like leg jitters like it's just so weird you know it's crazy
1: I actually did a speech last September um uh it was a speaker speaking competition put out by speaker slam and it was a in a live theater but it was a very small audience because you know COVID um and we had five minutes and my the topic was body beautiful so I talked about medication induced weight gain and how that can really affect you already going in with self-image issues and then you get on this supposedly life-saving wonderful medication uh, but then everything your whole body shifts i gained 80 pounds on antidepressants that's not a little bit, that is a full body change. I am a curvy lady now. And yep. it's been, yeah, it's there's been some brain hurdles. There is some definite differences in how you are treated in public. Having been both sides of the size spectrum, yeah, it's different when you're curvy. I
0: have to agree because I've had a similar, I have a similar story. And yeah, you just know, you just notice the differences and it does get to you in some big and some small ways, I'm happy now that I've reached a point where like, I would rather be fat and I am okay using the word fat. I would rather be fat yeah. <laughs> than suicidal, which is what I want. So like, if it's between suicidal and being fat, I you mean, know, she's fat all the time. I'm just gonna eat my little pizza and like keep gaining weight and like, that's okay. <laughs> I just have to be okay with that.
1: Yeah, honestly. Yeah, the speech I did, if you go on my website, it's called, um, whoa, she really let herself go. Because that's a phrase. Um, And the last line is, I'd rather be here in this life with a few extra pounds than not here at all.
0: Exactly. Sometimes
1: it comes down to that decision.
0: Yep. That's the sentiment.
1: But on the subject of medication, uh, there is some, I don't know if you're nerding out on some of the new research that's coming out um, on psychedelics. I am not a researcher, a doctor. I am just a very excited consumer slash patient, um, (laughs) excitedly nerding out on this. I literally have Michael Pollan's book like next to me here. Um, it's exciting. Canada, I'm in Canada. Canada just got our first federal grant last week Mm -hmm. for our psilocybin clinical study. Yeah. Is it perfect? We don't know. We need to do the clinical test. That's the whole thing.
0: Yeah i I was test it. I was just talking to someone about this an hour ago about that very study that you're talking about, which is why, like, I should read that book, and then we'll just like regroup. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, can we we have like a how to change
1: your mind book club where we, or you can watch the Netflix series if you're not a reader or whatever you do. But it's possible. Antidepressants are helpful, Mm -hmm. but they're not a cure. And you're right. They come with a long list of side effects that we get to do the, you know, is it
0: worth it balance? Yeah. The mental calculus.
1: Mm, Mental calculus. I love saying that. It makes me feel so smart.
0: (laughs) God, I love talking to you. I love this podcast. (laughs) So because I am a cheap bitch and I do this all out of my pocket. I only have yeah. two minutes left with you because oh I have free Zoom. So let's see, can you fit in the last two minutes, 30 seconds? What else do you have going on? And uh, yeah. Just oh my gosh. Of- okay. So very quickly, <laughs> I have a book coming out. What? Um, I wrote a chapter in an anthology that
1: is launching. Maybe it's already out by the time this comes out. Um, it's called Our Yellow Brick Road. It'll be on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the usual places. Um, I tell my whole brush with suicide, my whole story, it's who it's all in there, but there is a trigger warning on my chapter FYI, but there are also okay. 13 other chapters that are awesome. A lot of them deal with mental health. Some of them deal with physical health or abuse or trauma and, but they're good. Like they're good to read. They're very yes. digestible. Um, so look that up. Um, I'm doing some public speaking on mental health. Uh I yeah, I'm radically relatable, man, I just talk about all the shit we're not supposed to talk about.
0: Yeah. Just put I'm, it all out there. Without people like you, Kristen, I I don't really know how I would live, right? Like I uh, need to know that you too. You have a there. whole podcast on this now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's because people have started speaking up and I was seeing people like you out there just talking about it. And I was like, Well, I can be a part like I didn't have that. I didn't have someone to look up to. Same. So it was like, I needed that. And um, I think it's just amazing. Like, we're both amazing, but it's I'm so good. So, like, impressed by how you're just getting out there, like, getting on stage for the people. Like, that's amazing to me.
1: Well, there's too much, and I hope we have time to just squeeze this in. There's too much of this narrative, especially an in inspirational narratives of, well, my life is okay. And then this horrible thing happened to me, and now I'm all better, and I overcame it. Yes. That's not how mental illness works though. Yeah. It's gonna do this. So yeah, let's strive to be happily ever average. Let's find our acceptable midpoint. And as freelancers and self-guided jobs, let's let's structure it in a way that allows us to get through each day. Yeah. Maybe enjoy some of it.
0: Amazing. I think we came in right under like we have less than a minute. So let's, yep. Thank you for joining me, Kristen. We're doing a little dance. And thank you for joining me. And we will definitely have another conversation. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Freelancer Therapy. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to be a guest on Freelancer Therapy, you can reach out on Instagram at at Freelancer Therapy. Or email me, Amber Rhodes, at AmberRhodesWrites at gmail.com. That's A-M-B-E-R-R-H-O-D-E-S-W-R-I-T-E-S at gmail.com.